Hey there, podcast listeners. My name is Bryant Manning, and I serve as the pastor here at the Wesley Foundation at FSU and TCC. We are a campus ministry of the United Methodist Church on the campus of Florida State University here in Tallahassee, Florida. These sermons that we're presenting here are designed, written, and presented for college students who are exploring their lives of faith and growing in their walk with Jesus. And our hope and prayer is that you too will be inspired by these messages, that you will learn something about the scriptures, and that you'll leave with your life transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for listening. Amen. I want to start a new sermon series this morning called Journey to the Cross. And uh, the, we're in the season of Lent. If, thank you for if you came to Ash Wednesday, and thank you for bringing your friends to Ash Wednesday. That was awesome. Uh, but we, we spent some time on Ash Wednesday talking about the journey that we're about to go on in Lent to Easter. And if you're not familiar with this, here, here's the basic outline, right? On Ash Wednesday and going up till Easter, we have several weeks, 40 days in total, where we get to move toward a more Christ-like life. And we do that by remembering the gift that God gave us on the cross. We do that by remembering the sacrifice that he took. We do that by even giving up something ourselves. It's a good Lenten practice to give up something ourselves, just to remind ourselves of our brokenness. I told you on Wednesday night the story of the fire out there and and the story of how that was a super humbling experience for me, and it continues to be a humbling experience for me. And that's, that's the kind of goal of Lent, is to remind ourselves that we are not the focus, that we are not the salvation, that we are not the grantor of anything, but that God alone is. And we're going to focus on him that way. So we're going to talk through the journey to the cross that Jesus takes. And, and he goes on, in his, in his ministry, he goes on a series of uh, stories that you may or may not be familiar with, but they're, they're stories, uh, experiences that he has with people, other disciples, other non-disciples, and, and some of them you probably grew up with a, like a felt board in church with. If you, I don't know, I'm, I'm a felt board age, and some of us are felt board age, and uh, if you didn't, there was probably a video, right, that was probably your age, right, uh, a video in Sunday school where you learned this uh, story or biblical lesson. And we're going to go through some of those. Some of them you have heard before. Let me tell you this. I say this often. If you have heard this before, don't do that thing that we often do when we've heard this before, right? Which is to zone out, okay? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, I've heard this story before. Let me not pay attention for the next 10 verses. But if scripture only spoke to you at one point in your life, it would not be doing the job that scripture does. Are you with me? Okay, and so scripture must speak to us every time, no matter how many times we've heard the story, no matter how many times we recognize it. Because there are many ways in which we've heard a story narrated or told. We've, there are many like lessons that we've come out of it for. And at another point in our life, we might find another meaning. Does that make sense? It's not that it's a, it's not that it's a different meaning. It's not that the other meaning is bad. It's just that it has more nuance to where we are in our life right now. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. Now, we're going to talk this morning about the story of the rich man. And this comes out of Mark's gospel. It's going to be on the screen. Here now the reading of God's word. As Jesus continued down the road... A man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for the one God. 
You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Did I make you uncomfortable? Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples, probably because they were looking for wealth. So Jesus told them again, children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible for God. You partook in that one a lot better than the I love you. I love it. All things are possible for God. Now, there is basically, in my estimation, two ways that this passage is usually preached, and you've probably heard it before. They're pretty simple, and so to emphasize their simplicity, I asked an AI program... To ma- listen, don't groan. To, to make a children's drawing of a rich man. And this is what happened. I would give it a 10 out of 10, you know? I don't know what's quite happening here down in the right-hand corner, but he definitely has bags of something. So let's assume that's money, possessions. There's some weird stuff going on. But in general, pretty good, right? So here's the way that this is often preached, okay? This is a story you probably, if you grew up in church especially, you've heard this before. The rich man has things. Jesus wants him to give those things to the poor. The rich man likes his things, so rich man is sad. I made another graphic. He's, yeah, more colorful. You know, these tools are only so good. But uh, he's sad, so he makes this. And then, and then the moral of the story, the lesson here, is that you should give your things to the poor. That's, that's basically it. There's a second way that this is, uh, this is often narrated. You, you have too many things. Like, you personally have too many things. And um, there are people who have less things, so you should give those things to those people. That, that's often the way this is preached, if I'm being honest. Right? In other words, it's just a simple moral lesson. You have things, you give them to someone else, you go about your business. You have things, you like to keep these things, you're sad because you keep these things. Did you you see? Like, that's basically the way this is presented. Now, these are not wrong, they're not totally wrong. And the truth is they do speak to a lot of the truth because we have a lot of things, but I don't know that they fit our context right now. Can we just say that? And let me tell you the first reason. The first reason they don't fit our context is because you are college students. You do not resonate with the rich man at all. Can we say that? You are college students. You do not resonate with the rich man. I'm not a college student. I also don't resonate with the rich man. But you do not resonate with the rich man at all because your, your problem is like you don't have enough, right? right? And we'll talk about whether that's actually true in a second or not. 
But that's the problem is like when you look at your bank account, you don't say, I'm the rich man. Like that just doesn't happen for any of us. There's that problem. And the second problem is that it just creates a moral lesson. And one of the things I know to be true about Jesus' teachings, and, and you, when you read this in the, when you read the gospel texts uh, as you're reading the story of Jesus in your own personal life, let me just tell you this. There's always more to what he's saying. There's always more to what he's saying. If you look at it just on its, on its surface value, you're going to get a simple moral lesson probably. But as you go through more of the text, you're going to get a little more confused and you're going to miss a bigger point. So the question is, how should we read this? Now, uh, everybody say thank you to Jamie for running the slides. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I made all these slides. I made them last night. I was so proud of myself. I brought them here. They worked. The, the computer restarted. They did not save. I had to restart and make them because I could not let you miss out on the AI, okay? Um, but the rest of these, Jamie's going to have to jump around a little bit, and so you guys just give her as much grace as possible. Also, the, I told you that was going to happen. The lights reset. Um, it's just one of those mornings. Okay, so here's how we read it. Here's how we should read it. I just want to say this, just if you don't take any other word except for this this morning, if you take no other sentence other than this this morning, here's it is. It's not about the things. It's not about the things. What did I say? Look at your neighbor and say that. Now say it like you actually believe it. It's not about the things. It sometimes becomes about the things, but it's not about the things. Let's go back through the story here, and this is where she's going to jump around. This is uh, the 17th verse, Jamie. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, say ran up, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus responds, in my opinion, in modern day context, a little rudely, because he gets to do that. He's Jesus. So he says, uh, he, res- he responds a little rudely, almost like, have you ever been in that, um, you ever been in a situation where you're in a classroom and there's somebody who, let's just say they don't attend class very often. And they come in right before the test because they're like, uh, oops. And uh, they start asking questions. Have you, have you ever done this? If you've ever been a professor, you would definitely recognize this. Because they ask questions that you went over two weeks ago. Right? And so you're like, hey, uh, what are, what are, and they're like, hey, we went over that, Philip. You know? Like, we went over that two classes ago. <laughs> no, no comment. So the... That's, that's a little bit what happens here. He says, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, first of all, why do you call me good? No one's good except the one God. You know the commandments. In other words, we went over this, Philip. We, you know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. And the guy responds, hey, dude, I've done that forever. That's the very next verse. He says, uh, a teacher responded, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of that guy for a second. First of all, he's excited. He's excited. How do we know that? Because he ran up to Jesus. He's excited. And if Taylor Swift were walking down the street, you might be excited to ask her questions too. 
he's excited. He runs up and he says, what must I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you, you know the commandments, this, 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 and this. Do those things. And he goes, well, I've been doing those forever. I, I didn't miss that class, Philip. <laughs> I d- I've been doing those things. There's something that's not said in the scripture here, but I think it's kind of implied. He feels like he's missing something. He feels like he's missing something in his life. So you can't relate to the rich man. But I think you could relate to this. The rich man has all the things he needs. He has all the possessions he needs. And yet, he runs up to Jesus excited because he feels like he needs an answer to the missing puzzle. He feels like he needs that piece that's missing. When I was in college, my senior year, I was engaged to be married. I was the student government president. I was the vice president of the recruitment for interfraternity council. Somebody said last week, I didn't know you were in fraternity. What about me doesn't scream frat, you know? I was the vice president of recruitment for interfraternity council. I was the vice president of my fraternity. I was preparing a senior recital because I was a voice performance major. And for those of you who have never done that, it, that's not something you start the day before, right, Ben? Yeah, so it's just, it's just this day. It's just one of those mornings. And uh, I was also leading worship twice a week, Thursday nights, Sunday mornings. I was, I was pretty proud of myself. I felt like I had it made. In fact, I feel like a lot of people uh, looked at me and they were like, hey, that's the way to do college. The reason I say that is because the president of the college put my face, this is not a joke, not a joke, on a banner on campus. You're right. Yeah, I felt the same way. I remember sitting down in an advisor's office one day, and it was about October, November-ish. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I am spread way too thin. Those of you who know my schedule on a daily basis, you know that that is true. I'm spread way too thin. And... uh, I just kind of sat there, borderline cried, while she kind of said, you can do it. And I realized I was missing something. I had all of it. I mean, I didn't have time. I didn't have money. But I I had, if I wanted a position, I could do it. If I wanted an opportunity, I could take it. I had everything. But what I was lacking was a, a sense of direction in my life, a sense of peace that happens when you like know what your future is or you know what your next step is. I was missing that. And I think we all feel like we're missing something. I talked about loneliness last week. I talked about being in a group of people and still feeling lonely. You felt this? Isabel wrote, wrote a great article, by the way, in the FS View on it about being in a group and still feeling lonely. It's like you have all these people around you, you have this whole community around you, and yet I still feel lonely. You're still missing something. 
That's what he does. He runs excited up to Jesus. He has all the things he needs in the world. And he's still missing something in his life. Then Jesus lays it out for him. This is verse 21. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. There's something I don't want you to miss here. And in the original version, this was orange, so you could see it. Jesus looked at him carefully and what? Jesus looked at him carefully and what? Jesus looked at him carefully and what? Loved him. Jesus looked at him carefully and he loved him. Why? Because Jesus knew he was about to lay down some truth that was about to be really hard to hear. And guess what? He didn't want it to be seen as like, I'm just making this difficult. He's saying that, hey, I love you. He looked at him carefully and he loved him. And he said, you're lacking one thing. What's that missing piece? He goes, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. He's saying all of the things that you've been relying on in your life, the money, the possessions, the status, whatever, everything that you've wanted, the grades, the relationships, all of those things that you've put in front of something else. He says, go lay those down, go sell what you own and give it to somebody else. Then you have treasure in heaven. And that's a hard thing for us to hear. That's a hard thing for us to hear. Why? Because the rest of the world tells us all the time to take everything we can get. Take every opportunity you can get. Take every dollar you can get. Take every job you can get. Take every relationship you can get. Take every single thing that you can get because you have a right to it because it will bring you happiness. It will bring you joy. It will bring you satisfaction. And what happens for so many of us is we still find the missing piece. We still find that we're missing that piece. We have no satisfaction. We are still missing that thing. When people get out of college, I tell them, man, go get the best paying job you can get. I'm dead serious, I do that. Because I want them to make more money than I do. I try to ask the question of like, what are you called to? But Jesus, he says, you're missing something? All right, here's the deal. You're gonna hate what I'm about to say. But I want you to know I love you, which is why I'm telling you. Go sell it all. Go get rid of it all. Give it to someone else who needs it. Come follow me. That's a hard truth. Because we're really good at filling those missing pieces with stuff other than Jesus. We're really good when we get sad at buying stuff we want online. We excel in that. We're really good when there's a missing piece in our life, a whole 
We try to fill it with a relationship that's super toxic, that gives us just portions of things that we want. We're really good at achieving status by grades or opportunities in college. The missing piece is Jesus. What does he say at the very end? Go sell it all, get rid of it all, then you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. That I think is the most intense thing that he says. Give it all up and come follow me. Give up the things that you're putting in front of me. Give up the things you're trying to fill your holes with. Those missing pieces you're trying to place into the puzzle. And come follow me. That's why before he goes to sacrifice himself on the cross, he comes to the table. They're eating a meal. And he takes a, a, just a common thing that they would have had. He takes a cup that they were drinking out of. He gives thanks to God for it. And he said, this is my blood. The new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He does the same when he takes the bread. Gives thanks to God for it. He breaks the bread. And he says, take, eat. This is my body. And I'm giving it for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. All those things that you put into that missing piece and it didn't quite fit. This is that missing piece. There was a woman when I was in seminary who, and she's passed now, but she was a professor of spirituality. And she was frail, very old at the time. And she sustained herself almost completely on daily communion. I'm not suggesting that you do this. I think that's a what led to her being frail. But she came to our class to speak, and we all asked the obvious question, how did you start this practice? Why do you start this practice? Why is it that you only subside by daily communion? And she said something I'll never forget. It helps me rely on Jesus. Stop relying on everything else. Rely on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Wesley Foundation and FSU and TCC. We hope this was uplifting to you and helpful in your walk with Jesus. If you would like to support us, we would love your prayerful and financial support. You can give online at fsuwesley.com or on Venmo by just searching FSU Wesley Foundation. Thanks again.